You're listening to the Mariner's Church Podcast. Wherever this message finds you, we welcome you. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and share this with your friends. We invite you now to receive this week's message from Senior Pastor Eric Geiger. Mariner's Church family, we filmed the service we're about to show you earlier in the week. And then here on Saturday night, it's about 11 o'clock at night, several of our pastors, we are just so burdened for what we are seeing happening in our country, in our state, in the 34 cities in Orange County. And we wanna open our service praying. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we are seeing the enemy fully active in this season. As lives have been killed through injustice and racism, as shop owners in our cities are having their goods and their livelihoods stolen, and as our cities are being destroyed, the enemy truly has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus assured us that he has come for us to have life. And so we're gonna do what we know. We're gonna go to the one who gives us life, and we're gonna pray on behalf of people we love and behalf of our cities. We're gonna pray for those who are suffering the pain of injustice and racism. We're gonna pray for shop owners who are wrestling with losing their businesses. And we're gonna pray for the first responders who are running to danger to protect our cities. Inez is gonna open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we wanna lift up all our brothers and sisters, Lord, who feel the pain and the sorrow of racism. Those who feel like they have been treated less than, who have been dehumanized by the way that others look at them and treat them. Oh God, the injustice that we have experienced this week has brought so much pain to so many. And many lifted up their voices to cry out for change. And they took of their time to go out to the streets and share their voice. And Lord, all of this destruction, the chaos, oh God, in our cities have made it that it's even more confusing. And Lord, probably be even more painful, oh God. So we pray for our brothers and sisters that you, oh God, would comfort them. You are the only one that can bring hope and peace into their hearts. Oh Lord, heal their hearts. We pray this in your name. Oh God, we pray on behalf of our first responders, especially those who want to protect your people, who want to love and protect and serve our communities. God, we pray for law enforcement, our fire department, paramedics, those who run to danger instead of running away from. God, would you protect them and surround them? And would you allow them to do what they feel they are called to do in this moment? Would you be with them, use them, Father, to to restore order to our hurting nation? In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, we pray now for shop owners in Santa Ana and other places in LA and our state and around the country. Those who've invested their lives in serving their customers and are wrestling with things being looted and taken from them and burned. Lord, would you please protect them? Lord, I pray that you would prosper them. 
Lord, I pray you would see them and press closely to them in the middle of this chaos. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Jesus. We need you. We need you, Lord. Please come fix this. And Lord, heal the hearts of those who are hurting in the middle of all of this chaos. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise forever to the King of Kings. So glad you're with us this weekend. If we haven't met yet, my name is Eric. I'm the senior pastor here, and we are starting this new teaching series this weekend called Tough Questions. And we're going to actually start with one of the toughest questions that there is. It's a tough question that skeptics have asked me, that people who don't believe in, in Jesus have asked me, and that is, why is life not fair? What, why is bad things happening to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? Why is there still evil in the world? Why are things still so broken? If you have a God who's in charge of it all and he loves people, then why is there so much brokenness in the world? We're gonna spend these next several weeks looking at tough questions in the book of Psalms. And this is really good news. The book of Psalms does not uh, have a chlorinated view of life. It's not redacted. Uh, Tough questions aren't taken out of the Bible. In fact, there's all of these tough questions in the Bible, and it shows us that God welcomes us with our struggles, that God actually is sufficient in himself and secure in himself to let the tough questions be in the Bible because he's confident in himself and confident in his great love for us. And he, he just wants us to come to him even with our struggles and with our doubts. And so the question we're gonna hit this weekend is really one of the biggest ones. Why is life not fair? In the hit television show, Breaking Bad, at the end of or toward the end of season five, Walt, who was this hardened drug dealer, who initially was this reluctant drug dealer who just wanted to provide for his family, but each season that passed, he became more and more hardened and he left a wake of destruction in his path and hurt many, many people. And so he is actually prospering. So the evil, they're prospering. And Jesse, who was his partner, is completely frustrated because he continues to see Walt hurt people and Walt actually continue to prosper. And so at the end of season five, toward the end, he breaks into Walt's house and he is so um, frustrated and angry and broken because he's seen the evil prosper. Hank, who's a police officer, comes in after Jesse into the home and tells Jesse he has to leave to stop because Jesse is in the home ripping everything apart. And it's a really powerful scene. Some say the most powerful scene in all eight seasons of Breaking Bad because Jesse says, why is he prospering? Why is this still happening? How is he going to keep getting away with this? Why is he getting away with it? And we have all wrestled with that question as well. Why does it seem that evil prospers? Why do bad things happen to the good people and good things happen to bad people? It is not a new question. In fact, those who have spoken against the Christian faith, this is, this is perhaps the biggest question that is used against the Christian faith. Epicurus was 
this Greek philosopher, and years ago he presented this problem. And, and people still um, quote this as they articulate uh, an argument against the Christian faith. Epicurus said this, is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he's not powerful. Is he able, but not willing? Then he's not good. If he is both able and willing, then why is there evil? Maybe you've wrestled with that. If you're God, Eric, that you, you just sang a song, Yahweh, and you're saying that this God is great, if he's great and he also loves people, because you keep teaching me, Eric, that he loves people, so if he's great and he loves people, then why are there injustices in the world? The question, though, is a question that the skeptic must also wrestle with. Because the very question actually causes you to admit that there's some standard of good or some standard of rightness or some standard of beauty. C.S. Lewis in his classic work, Mere Christianity, said essentially that the very existence of this question, why is there evil in the world, actually points to the existence of God. The fact that we ask the question really shows us that there is some source of truth some source of right and some source of beauty by which we can say that some things aren't right in the world. He actually used this as an illustration. He said, how do you know that this is a crooked line? How do you know this is a crooked line? How do you know that this is a scribbly line? How, when you first saw it pop on the screen, how did you know that this is crooked? Because you've seen a straight line. And so when we see videos that have been horrifying for us to watch these last several weeks of Ahmaud Aubrey and of George Floyd, as we see those videos, we know deep down, this isn't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This is not how people created in the image of God are to be treated. The fact that it bothers us inside and brings up this indignation inside, it actually points to the existence of God because that's not how things are supposed to be. And so this question, why is there evil or why do the bad people prosper and the good people suffer is actually a question that, that really when we stop and step back from it, it really points to the existence of God, that there's some beauty, some source of truth and right and good. And as Christians, we believe that is Yahweh, that is God. But it's a question that not only have skeptics asked and those who have struggled with the Christian faith, it's a question all of us have asked. It's a question I've asked. Why is it that there's evil still in the world. Why are there so many injustices? Why, God, do good things happen to people who are evil and bad things happen to people who are good? Why, God? Well, we're not the only ones who have asked the question. We're gonna see in this series, we're gonna look at some of the really difficult questions, and I love that they're actually in the Psalms. It's not a chlorinated book. God welcomes us and wants us to come to Him with our struggles. And so if you're wrestling with some real issues in this moment, we're gonna look at a Psalm, Psalm 73, where Asaph, who wrote this Psalm, he would nod in understanding to whatever struggle you're bringing to God today. 
Maybe you're in the situation where you've lost your job or you've been furloughed and you were the hardworking one and someone who wasn't hardworking still has their job and you've said, God, this is not fair. Didn't you see it? Asaph would understand. Psalm 73 would understand exactly how you feel. Maybe you feel like someone else got a promotion or someone else got something else that you were going after and they were not as deserving as you. Asaph would nod in understanding. Maybe during this quarantine time, you're looking at at the, the classes and the schooling your kids had comparing to some other kids and it's not fair. Why this and why that? And you've asked those questions. Why, God, this just doesn't seem fair. I know during this time, we've had a lot of people who are outside of Orange County who are watching and we welcome you. We're glad that you're watching. And, and maybe you've thought, why this isn't fair. Why do the people in Orange County get to have such amazing weather during the stay-at-home orders? I mean, this is not fair. And, and we would just humbly say to you that there has to be a straight line so you can see how crooked the weather line is where you live. And we're happy to provide the straight line of perfect weather for you. I'm joking, um, kind of. So we're gonna look at Psalm 73 and we're gonna see in this Psalm someone who really wrestled with this tough question. And and I want us to see how he gets to a conclusion. Now, the, the conclusion doesn't mean that the pain goes away, but he's able to handle the pain. He's able to handle the pain after he meets with the Lord and he gets to this really good resolution in his life. So Psalm 73, let's look at, at verse one and two. The scripture says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart, but as for me, my feet almost slipped, my steps nearly went astray. Now now look at this passage. He says, right at the very beginning, he really starts with the conclusion. God's indeed good to Israel, to to the pure in heart. And if you're a Christian, you're pure in heart. You're pure, not in your own goodness, but Christ has made you pure and God is going to be good to you. He has taken responsibility for you. You're his son, you're his daughter. And so he's saying, I know this is true. God is good, but, but as for me, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really good in this moment. God is good, but, but as for me, my feet, they almost slipped. He, he says, this was such an intense question for me. This was such a point of pain for me that I almost slipped and walked away from God. This is Asaph, who, as Bang mentioned last week, is the, the worship pastor, essentially. I mean, this is one of our worship leaders saying, this, this problem was so deep for me that I almost walked away from the faith over this. This is how intense this was. He goes back, though, and we're going to see in the psalm, to the place where he almost slipped, and now he can look at the struggle with confidence because he's worked through the doubt. He's worked through the question which is what I hope happens to you in this series, that you will bring your struggles and your doubts to the Lord and He welcomes you and He wants you with all of your struggles and all of your doubts and that you'll be able to go back to the same questions and you'll go back stronger to those questions. A couple of weeks ago, I physically did this. Asaph is talking about spiritually doing this, but I physically did this because I went back to the place I slipped. If you've been at Mariners for the last year, you know that about this time last year, I went over the handlebars mountain biking. I slipped and I tumbled and I had a grade three separation. My shoulder's never gonna be fully attached to my collarbone. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. It was pretty messed up. 
And so I have not gone back to that trail in a year. It's called Cal Trail. It's a, a trail, um, I, th- I think it's legal to ride it, but it's a trail uh, up in the hills and I have ridden that with buddies and had ridden it before, but after the, the fall, I had not gone back until a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, I went back to the place I slept. And Fachi and John, people I was riding with, they were like, man, let's go back. I'm like, man, I don't wanna go back. Man, let's go back. No, Eric, you'll be fine. I'm like, nah, dude, I don't wanna go back. Let's go back and we're gonna do that spot again. And I did. I went back and this time I leaned way back on the seat and I did the spot again. And the spot that was very painful all of a sudden became a place of joy for me. The spot that where I slipped that was so painful and devastating to my shoulder, now being back there, I saw that I could conquer it. I, I was tougher going back. And so that's, that's really Asaph, but spiritually, he's going back to his struggle and he's gonna get to a really good conclusion. But let's see why he struggles. Why does he struggle? This is the struggle. Verse three, he says it. This is why he almost slipped. He says, God's good. I wasn't good. I almost slipped. Here's why. I envied the arrogant. Envy was his his struggle. I I looked at people who were prideful and they, they didn't love God. And yet I saw their prosperity. I envied the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I struggled because it seemed as if, God, where are you? Why is injustice happening? Why are the wicked prospering and the good? I've followed you, I'm not prospering. This was such a slippery moment for Asaph that he he almost walked away from the faith. I, I won't read all of the next verses through verse 12. If you look in your Bible, you'll see, this is what he says as he looks at the wicked and the arrogant, they have an easy time. They're well-fed, their stomachs grow. They don't have trouble like others. Their wealth increases, their eyes bulge because they always want new things. They oppress others, they um, humiliate others, they're arrogant, they're prideful, and then they even sleep well in the midst of their wickedness because they say, God doesn't know, I can do what I want, God doesn't know. And so he looked at them and even though we know this isn't true, we know that their lives weren't perfect, but for Asaph, he felt as if they were. They don't love you, and yet everything seems so easy for them. In fact, Asaph then asks asks this after he lists their lives. He says this in verse 13, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? Asaph essentially says, God, have I been following you for nothing? I mean, what's the whole point, God, of loving you when someone who isn't loving you has all of these awesome things and I've loved you and and things seem miserable for me? What's even the point, he asks? So what what goes on in the rest of the Psalm? Well, let, let me get you to the conclusion and then we're gonna see how Asaph got to the conclusion. And so if you look at the very last verse, The scripture says this. This is the last verse of Psalm 73. He ends the Psalm this way. God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. So so at one point he's saying, God, I went to you and I didn't get enough good things from you. Okay, that's what he says at first. And then at the end, he says, you know what? God, you're my good. You are my ultimate good. He gets to a peaceful place. Now listen, life's not perfect for him. I'm sure he still wrestles, but he's saying, God, I've tasted 
that you are good. So how does he get there? How do you get there? How do I get there? In the middle of seasons of injustice or of moments when life doesn't seem fair, when you've asked the tough question to God and you've gone with an honest heart to him and you've said, God, this is not fair. Are you not seeing this? How do we actually get to the end when we say, God's my good? How do we get there? Well, first, I do want you to understand, God just wants you to come to him. And so if you are asking God those difficult questions, he's not scolding you, he's welcoming you and he's pulling you in. But here's how you get to the end. Three things and I'll, I'll teach these real quickly. First, don't look around with envy, number one. Number two, look up for your delight. And number three, look forward to your future. Don't look around with envy. We'll see this in the Psalm. Don't look around with envy. Look up for your delight and look forward to your destiny. So number one, don't look around with envy. Don't look around with envy. I completely understand how Asaph was feeling because I have felt this way before. The, the most vivid memory for me of looking around with envy and it really hurting me and, and hurting uh, my spirit and crushing me are those years when Kay, my wife and I, were trying to get pregnant and we couldn't get pregnant. This was my, my thinking. My thinking was, okay, uh, God, we're following you. We're doing everything according to the best we can, according to your word. So here's our plan and we've honored you. So you honor us. Here's the plan. So you honor us. And so um, we, we, all of a sudden we try to get pregnant. We're not getting pregnant. We pray, we fast. That doesn't work. We go to doctors. That doesn't work. And so I'm, I'm God, why? Why? We, we're honoring you. I dare I say, I think I actually even in my foolishness foolishness believed, God, because we've been good to you, you owe us. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I believe that's what I thought. You owe us because we've, we're trying as this couple to be faithful to you. And so I started to look around with envy at other people who were having kids. And, and I don't mean my friends who, uh, I was excited for them. I'm talking about people who weren't trying to get pregnant, who were getting pregnant, people who um, were, I mean, I remember the stories of people who were getting pregnant in the middle of infidelity. And I'm like, God, they don't want a child. We so badly want a child. Don't you see this? I was looking around with envy. I remember one night after church, I was a pastor in Miami at the time. And this guy came to me for prayer and he was so upset because his wife was pregnant and they were planning to not have any more kids. And so he came to me and asked me for prayer uh, on how he could have strength to um, be a, a good husband to his wife while she was pregnant yet again. And he was having all these kids and he didn't want any more kids. And I'm like, this guy's asking me to pray for him in the middle of my biggest struggle. And so I said, man, so, so she got pregnant again, huh? And he goes, yeah, I can't believe it. I just had the... Um, I know we have some kids watching. Uh, I just had the March Madness surgery, the, uh, the surgery uh, where guys like to, you know, lay in the couch and watch March Madness. Hopefully that happens again. And so he just had the March Madness surgery and evidently he didn't listen to the doctor tell him that there's still a certain number of bullets in the chamber. And so his wife got pregnant post March Madness surgery. And he's like completely bummed out, can't believe it happened and asking me for prayer. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm praying for this guy, Lord Jesus, why is he having a kid? And I, what we longed for and have prayed for hasn't happened for us. 
I remember one day driving to the office from home and having to pull over on the side of the road and open the door to my truck and throwing up on the road because the medicine I was taking made me so nauseous. And in those moments, I was asking God, God, why, why? I was looking around with envy. The psalmist says that when he did that, this is what happened. Look at verse 21 and 22. He said, um, when I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you, God. This is what he said happened when he looked around. And I've experienced this painfully. He became, notice this, if you have your pen and your Bible, circle it. He became embittered. See, when you look around, you never win. When you look at others, you never win. When you look at others, you will find some people who you feel have a better life than you, and that will cause you to be filled with envy and become embittered. And you'll see others who you feel you have a better life than, and you'll be filled with pride, but we always lose when we look around. And the psalmist is saying, I became embittered, my innermost being was wounded, looking around with envy, you never win. He then actually says, um, I was stupid, I didn't understand, I was an unthinking animal towards you. What does that mean? It means that when we go to God with this mentality that God, I've done these things for you, therefore you owe me these things, we show we don't understand how our God works. When we try to appeal to God as if he owes us because of something we've done, we are appealing to God for God to be fair to us. And listen, God is not fair and it's good news that God isn't fair. Because fairness actually means that we get what we deserve. And we do not want to get what we deserve because according to the scripture, all of us have fallen short of this holy God. God is not fair and this is good news. He's gracious and he's just. He's just because on the cross, all of our sin was placed on Jesus. He's just and he's good and he's gracious and he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us his mercy and his grace and his compassion and his forgiveness. Thank God he is not fair. He's gracious and he's just. And so number one, don't look around with envy. Instead, number two, look up for your delight. Don't look around with envy, you'll always lose. Instead, you look up. You look up for your delight. You delight not in what you see around you, but you delight in God. Some of you have been binge watching some of your favorite shows during this time. And Minnie's favorite show is The Office. And some people's favorite episode of The Office is Pretzel Day, where Stanley says this. This is amazing. And this is like the LinkedIn picture of Stanley. I love it. Uh, Stanley on that episode said this. I wake up every morning in a bed that's too small. I drive my daughter to a school that's too expensive. Then I go to work for a job, which I get paid too little. But on pretzel day, I like pretzel day. Stanley's saying, I'm able to get through some of the pain of this world because I have pretzel day, because there's something I can long for and look forward to. But as Christians, we have much more than pretzel day. When you look at Psalm 73, you see this incredible shift in pronouns. And the first 12 verses, all of the pronouns are about looking around. You'll see like, hey, they, them, those people over there, they, they. 
But then something shifts in Psalm 73, and the psalmist takes his eyes, Asaph takes his eyes off of everyone around him, and he puts his eyes on the Lord. He stops envying those around him, and he looks up for his delight. And this is what happens to Asaph, and this is what happens to us when we look up. We find that God is better than anything we've envied. When we look up for our delight, we find that God is more gracious, more beautiful, more stunning, more amazing, more awesome than anything we've ever looked for or longed for in this world. When we look up for our delight, we find that He is more satisfying than anything else we've ever beheld or anything else we've ever pursued. In fact, this is what He says in verse 25 and 26. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. He's saying, listen, who do I have in heaven but you? Heaven is heaven because you're there. That's what makes heaven awesome. And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Here's what Asaph concludes. All of the things I've envied are nothing compared to how awesome God is. I used to envy things around me and all of those things pale in comparison to how beautiful and amazing God is. When you take your eyes off of things around you and you look up, you find that He is better than anything else you've ever wanted. And the scripture actually encourages us to taste and see that the Lord is good, to delight in Him and find Him to be satisfying. I'll illustrate it this way. Uh, My downfall when it comes to uh, trying to eat healthy, which I've been trying to do during during this crazy time, but my downfall is like gourmet ice cream. It, it It will totally ruin my day if I'm eating clean, if I'm intermittent fasting, and then this comes along, I'll just get messed up. So I'm gonna introduce you real quickly to um, two of these, and I hesitate to do this because I don't want you to give this to me because I will then eat it and feel guilty after, but this is um, Grater's Ice Cream Black Raspberry Chip. Now, I'm not sponsored by Grater's. They, they, ha- they haven't um, paid me to do this, but I, Grater's, I, I am open to that if you would like to um, contact me. But uh, Grater's Ice Cream Black Raspberry Chip. This is insane. There's in, in Forbes magazine one time, they wrote an article about everything that guys should experience before they die. And Grater's Ice Cream Black Raspberry Chip was part of it. Uh, it's melted a little bit, but it's, it's insane. DK, do you, want, do you want a little bit, man? Um, we can't share. And we're in the middle of uh, social distancing, so you can't get any, bro. Um, black, <laughs> black raspberry chip. I mean, for real. Dang. This, I, it's so tan. I mean, it, it's a mixture of deep, dark chocolate and yet fruity raspberry all together. Oh my goodness. I mean, for real. It is insane. Now, I can describe this to you. The other one I really like is Jenny's ice cream, salty caramel. Oh my goodness, so good. I could describe these to you about how amazing they taste, but that's very different than you actually tasting it, right? I mean, I can describe to you how they are so good, but that's really different from you tasting the goodness. In the same way, you can 
think that God is delightful, but that's very different in you actually delighting in God. You, you can mentally believe that God is good, but that's different than you tasting and enjoying the goodness of God. The Psalm actually invites us to do this. Look at Psalm 34, verse eight. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Look up for your delight. Taste and see that He is good. And when you taste and see that He is good, yes, there's still struggles in this world, but they don't compare to how good He is. Augustine, early church father, I love what he wrote about Psalm 73. He said this, look at it, it's really good. The psalmist asks no other award from God except God. God's award is simply God himself. Do you understand that? Do you understand that the message of the Christian faith is not Hey, listen, you come to God and then God's gonna give you a bunch of good things. The message of the Christian faith is actually way better. The message of the Christian faith is you come to God and you get God. You come to God and you get Him and He's who you need and He's who quenches and He's who satisfies. You come to God and you get God. So don't look around with envy, look up for your delight. And then lastly, number three, look forward to your destiny. Look forward to your future. Asaph said, man, this question about why evil is going on, about why bad things happen to good people, it was such a weighty question, it oppressed me. But then something happened. Something changed for Asaph and he recounts it. Look at the scripture with me. Verse 16 and 18. He says, when I tried to understand all this, when I tried to answer the question of why there is injustice, of why um, bad things are happening to good people. It, when I tried to get it, it seemed hopeless. Maybe that's how some of you feel today. You feel hopeless, but here's the change. It was overwhelming, it was hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary, until I met with God and I saw God's plan for me, and I saw God's design, then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. Remember, he said at the very beginning, I almost slipped, I almost slipped. But then when he meets with God, he says, I'm not the one who's slipping. Those who are wicked, they're the ones who are going to forever slip, but not me, because you're holding me, and now I understand the future, I've entered your sanctuary, I understand their destiny and my destiny. Jesus said it this way in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, about those who are wicked, they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus is teaching about everlasting life, about our future, and here's what he's saying. Those who are wicked, they will, go, they will be separated from God forever, but the righteous, they have everlasting life. The wicked are separated from God because of their wickedness. The righteous have everlasting life, not because of their righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus that is given to us. We have everlasting life, not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness. And so listen to your destiny. Listen to what your future is if you are a Christian. 
You don't have to look around with envy. You can look up for your delight and you can remind yourself of your future as you look forward to your destiny. A time is coming when you will spend everlasting life with your Savior, when everything that is wrong will be made right, when everything that is broken will be fixed, when everything that is sick will be healed, when every injustice will be reversed, when the curse will be turned around and you will enjoy everlasting, eternal, glorious life with your Savior as you enjoy His hope and His happiness and His joy and His peace forever and ever. That is your destiny. That is where you are headed. The psalmist says, man, all of this was overwhelming. I went into your temple. I went into your sanctuary and I saw my future. I saw what's coming. So we still struggle with the question, why does injustice prosper? Why does good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? And from Psalm 73, we ultimately learn to look up for our delight. The psalmist says, Lord, you are my portion. You're the only meal I have, but you are the best meal. You're all I have on my plate, but you're all I need on my plate. You are on my plate and you are better than anything that's on anybody else's plate. You are the best portion. We've asked Shane and Shane, a musical, a Christian music group, who's written a song from Psalm 73. They called it My Portion because the Lord is our portion. He's the best meal. We've asked them to sing this song over us, Mariners. They've done this just for us. And then after this song, I'll come and lead us in a prayer of blessing over you. Hello, Mariners Church. My name is Shane. I'm Shane. Together. Shane and. This is and. Together we are Shane. And Shane, this is actually Adrian back here joining us. Um, what a pleasure it is to be with you. Uh, we long to be with you in person, but um, to be, through, be with you through the screen is, I guess, second best. Um, and we're going to sing Psalm 73. That has been near and dear over the years. And uh, I love the part of Psalm 73 uh, towards the end that says, Whom have I in heaven but you? I love thinking about that, that heaven doesn't even have anything but him. If God's not in heaven, heaven is not heaven. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire but you. Oh, that we would believe that and desire that. My heart may fail, and it has. My flesh may fail, and it has. But you are the strength of my heart and my portion. You are my reward forever. And uh, man, what a prayer for the believing heart to pray. And, um, and so we're going to sing it. I know we're going to teach it here. And so uh, here we go. You ready for this? I'm ready. Here we go. Two, three. Fail, but you are 
strength of my heart You're the strength of my heart You are my portion forever 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 Whom have I in heaven but you I desire none but you a heart and flesh may fail but you are the strength of my heart oh the strength of my He is our portion now and forever. He satisfies us now and we have everlasting life with him. Before I pray a prayer of blessing over you, I wanna share with you what's going on in our church in terms of reopening. And I know many of you are longing to, to come back together for worship and that is a pure and holy longing. I'm glad you have it. We are not going to resume gatherings, worship service gatherings at our physical locations until we're confident that we can offer church in a way that is a refuge and a solace to you. But we are right now in what we are calling play two, where we are encouraging groups to gather together for Mariners with your life group. In fact, we have life groups that in this service gather together. And so life groups, I'm so proud of you for meeting together and, and I hope you'll enjoy the discussions that you're gonna have together after and the time that you're gonna be able to spend together. But if you're not yet in a group, we wanna help you. 
Some of you, you may wanna host a group at your house just with your friends and, and people that you've come to know better during this time, neighbors that you have. If you just, we'll see the, the text number on the bottom. If you'll just tech, text connect, we'll help you get connected and we'll help you launch a group at your house and give you all the resources that you need. We also are gonna have some new groups that are launching this next week at our campuses. We're gonna use our campuses to help new groups get started. They're not gonna stay forever at the campus. We'll push them uh, pretty soon to a, to a house, but uh, we're gonna use our campus to help people get connected to a group for the first time. And so if you wanna get connected, do not live in this season alone. We want you to be in community and we wanna help. And so we have Mariners at home and Mariners with your life group, that's play too. And we have called that play. We wanna encourage you to be in community with others. Will you extend your hands and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Father, I thank you for your sons and daughters today. And I ask that you would bless them and keep them. I pray this new week that you would remind them that you are their portion, that you are the best meal. You are the one that quenches and satisfies. And I pray this week you would press close to them and sustain them and keep them and fill them with wisdom in all their decisions and compassion in all of their relationships. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to this message today. If you are in need of prayer, our prayer team is available for you at marinerschurch.org prayer. You can also contact us through our email at info at marinerschurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe and for other ways to stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Mariners Church.